Well, it has been a minute since the last uh, episode of New Wild Review was released, and um, really wanted to get something out sooner, but it's been really difficult, uh, mostly due to time crunches due to the coronavirus, which I really did not want to do another uh, one of another episode on you know COVID nineteen and its impacts to us because. Well, first of all, everybody's going through them, and while it is difficult um, to be operating with, uh, you know, a very reduced staffing because volunteers sheltering in place, and also reduced resources coming in due to because of, um, you know, the economic impact of the pandemic, as well as, uh, you know, just the stress of. Uh, living in these times and these times you know uh for us especially us here in america um but probably you know places like brazil too these times are exacerbated by you know a systemic and institutionalized problems uh in with you know health care so that uh you know it's uh if you are historically disadvantaged in America, like let's say that you're uh, African American, or let's say that you're poor, or let's say that you know you you just you don't have a very good job, you know, like any of the reasons that can give that you can have bad access to good health care um, exist in super abundance for Americans, and also we uh, you know we live in a society that is uh, completely unable to. Uh, it seems uh, address its horrifying racist uh, origin and continued practices to this day, and um, so that and and that has been pushed to the fore by the pandemic, and it has made you know besides for social distancing and just general fear and grieving because you know when over a hundred thousand people have died in your country there's a chance that you know somebody and it's uh, and you don't have to know somebody to grieve uh, i think that many of us are we're all experiencing a lot of grief right now and that's taxing especially since we are having a hard time coming together to um support each other even though some of us have been uh, forced to uh, risk the pandemic's uh, impact in order to uh, demand justice for George Floyd for instance and I hope that everybody that is out there in the streets right now doing that hard work is uh, as safe as can be. One of the reasons for the delay in getting another episode out was I really did not want to do another um, edition on coronavirus, but it... So, uh, my solution to that, after much hemming and hawing, was to uh, do a poetic interlude um, in the terrible news from the day, 
and present you with a couple of poems that that are centered on the wild. The first poem is a short poem and it is titled Skull. Watching the old deer's skull dissolve back into the forest, look how much longer a thought may linger, how much longer than I thought. And this flying insect at rest looks like a small bit of leaf or bark on long legs, runs errands in a square foot of forest floor, stops at the alder leaf, the salmonberry twig, a small piece of moss, this old thinking skull and her vertebrae in orbit. In 2002, I took a job um, with International Bird Rescue, then Research Center, in, and the job entailed, um, first it was a monitoring snowy plovers in the Mojave Desert on a borax mine in the Searles Valley, which is directly south of the Panamint Valley and directly west of Death Valley and there's a borax mine there and there were snowy plovers who were nesting and they're you know threatened species so there was a monitor hired to make sure that industrial operations didn't interfere with nests and that was very interesting and i was given a clipboard and a pair of binoculars and a, well actually i brought my own binoculars but i was given a clipboard and a hard hat and i monitored the snowy plovers and it was a, you know, the valley was a gigantic form. It was a salt lake bed. And there was, had been a, you know, Lake Searles or whatever they had called it, you know, Searles Lake. Um, there was no lake. When people named it that, that when the European settlers arrived there and named it Searles Lake, that, I mean, it hadn't been a lake in 10,000 years. So... So in the middle of this, uh, you know, uh, vast former lake sat a plant that scraped it and processed it and made borax and made, you know, baking soda and made all kinds of things. Many, uh, you know, many uh, products were made out of the mineral surface of that lake bed. And the... Uh, 
and the snowy plovers I, I monitored them and I you know um, incurred the wrath of you know workers there because they were told by their management that the uh, money spent funding my position was making you know their annual bonuses probably not going to happen so I was like you know hated by everybody and um, in any case, and then I moved into another position at that place, which I did for a couple of years. And that was these vast, there was big lakes, industrial lakes that were part of the industrial process of the mining that um, were built, you know, made, created by the mining process on these, on this uh, lake bed. There was the percolation pond and there was the dredge pond and there's the containment pond and there's all you know like there's and you know you had to like wear a you know a hydrogen sulfide monitor if you were working in some of them because you know it, you would not know that you were poisoned so you're, you're trying to chase a pied bill degree because why because waterfowl um lands in those ponds and those ponds are toxic they're hypersaline like 15 times saltier than the ocean and um, some of them were radioactive and some of them were hydrogen sulfide and all of them but no none of the ducks or might primarily ducks but also loons and grebes landed there and um, even white pelicans and um, one of the problems of course is that uh, the salt killed them before, and we'd have no idea what else, how poisonous those lakes were, because they nobody lived to be killed by the poisons. They were killed by salt toxicosis, almost all of them, except for the ones who drowned. Because in the winter time, when the air temperature fell below 45 degrees, the salt would crystallize and, and like form crystals all over the bird, and also all over the boats that were used to go catch those birds too. We'd have big chunks of salt crystals forming on the sides of the boats. Um, one morning the lake was perfectly still like a mirror and I saw far out in the, uh, you know, the percolation pond where I did most of the, where we did most of the, where most animals were, most birds were caught, was uh, two and a half miles. It was like a mile wide by two miles long, something like that, roughly. Um, maybe it was a mile by mile and a half. Anyway, so you'd see birds far away from, you had these little places, you could, observation points, you know, it was just an industrial pond, you know, with a raised dirt road all the way around it, just it with dump trucks on it, you can imagine that. And um, I saw a little dimple far out with a spotting scope. And when we got out to that dimple, it turned out to be a California gull who weighed 5,500 grams um, because of the amount of salt that had crystallized on him and was holding him underwater. Um, California gulls, five, six hundred grams is normal. So when we got the, when we rinsed, you know, got the salt off of him, which comes right off in warm water, <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, he was in much better shape, but he would have drowned. And in any case, this uh, poem is from that time. And it's, I rambled on too long, so you're going to be like, oh my God, and it keeps going. the beginning of California for the birds of Trona.
in the valley west of the valley of death, at the bottom of a basin raised up to the sun, the madhouse grinning Mojave sun, floats the briny lake where names are born, where birds perform the sacrificial salting that greets each newborn thing, a salted breast, a salted wing. At dawn, the lake is perfect glass and cries, O oh Lord, a miracle. Austerity is merely ruse. The lake's a vast, uncanny jewel, reflecting brilliant, scoured sky, back to charm a teal's eye. I've seen this lake and seen its charm, its glowing desert water charm, tucked and snug and spread between salted flats and mineral sinks. Century-old bones of horses and men, and bone-white clouds that none can see. The air so sweet it can't be breathed, hot alkali and rotting flesh, joined in feudal symmetry. Coyote tracks lope sideways to a hollow feathered ring. Ten feet away I find a wing. Above the sky is watching close. The day's eye sun sees it all. Three more feet I find a foot. A small left foot to tuck beneath the small left wing. A pie-billed greaves left foot and wing. And nothing more. No more feathers. There is no head. Numbered among the untallied dead. The silent, stripped, unspoken dead. Scattered freely, everywhere. Eyes cast toward the salt-crust dirt. Around this lake, the rocks proclaim that once the land was kissed by rain. A river flowed into this bowl, and arrows pierced the hearts of deer. A forest grew from the shore and covered these unearthly bones of planetary rock, now chipped and splintered and cracking hot. The belching blank of freedom lost, a sky so burned it can't be seen, reflected back in sorrows drowned, as encrusted pipes no longer used sink and rise across the lake, ancestral lines, a future palm, delivering the past at our front gate, an inherited disgrace still disgracing, and traced through time, implicating each who scraped this lake and spilled their seed, nurtured in the mad clarity that wants its own salted sea, another dying salted sea, that kills all who touch its salted hem, its ringed and rising salted hem, the bones of birds, the husks of flies, crystal salted dragonflies, and in full view of the sky, the known and knowing midnight sky, beneath the one who sees it all and responds to every call or cry, as the well-known butterfly who churns the wind to hurricane. Where sentient salt is forced to yield its liquid heart and take a dive. A long good night beneath the sun, your feathered corpse on open ground. Climb back inside your broken shell. The god of ducks shall meet you there, likely never to be found, to never tell how you drank the brine of desperate men in desperate times. And we've forgotten what moved the world, and all that all these visions share, 
and all that cannot be repaired. And is this the duck that we can spare? nothing but tells its tale. The ocean breaks just past these hills. Two hundred miles across poisoned land, the sky is pink and blue and gray. The pier to the east is a silhouette, the horizon a mist, a thin cliché. No land but this. Pelicans coast on a cushion of air, cupped and cajoled by each crest that arrives, each pulse that mounts toward its own birth, sandpipers answer in a sandpiper wave that rises and crashes and scatters and sprays. At this thin union of sky, sea, and earth, a gutter here for the city's debris, buried in the bottom of a fresh tire track, a dead northern fulmar, mouth open wide, mouth full of sand, wings folded back from his last flight beached here in the Los Angeles night, harbor bells bong and clang. That dying happens everywhere is the one known truth, and no dispute will alter that. No perfect word will stay the hour, the origin of freedom's power to reach beyond the world of dreams, to reach beyond the world of fear, and draw close to its destiny, not strangling another's brew. Stripped of meaning and added to the pregnant sense that some hour has come round at last. As each day is more inured to what is spent ensuring dollars growth and dollars spread in the fiery age of dead remains and our own dream lost, the ruined world of towered dreams and pinnacles of thought we think are precious gems, not bangles bought with breathing earth, breathing salt. Knee-deep in this mineral brine, with salted remnants of a common loon's wing, a mallard's desiccated head and spine, the bright dark body of Raven's eye watches me rob his supper blind. A black budget jet splits the sky, broken rock lifts the land, this live and poisoned dying land. The world is sure, the world is sound, my love is bent now toward the ground. Sky high, domed and clear, a bright blank skull from the inside out, an emptier form, a kinder fear. Clues adhere to each thought as salt explodes in crystal chains. Ignore the fire that burns through any pair of waking eyes, the clouds that listen to each word said. The sidewalk is cracking its own code these days, and crows are beginning to direct the wind. Albatross return from sea, ablaze and kindling the parchment sky. The earth's a basin for earth-shaped loss. Our salted bones are a desert sink where sulfured rivers run to die. Oh, practical legacy, the moral fate, as if a poisoned well wouldn't kill those who drank. 
western gulls in the sand above the surf face the red western sky. Their white breasts glow and fade to pink. The red sun falls as it always falls. A pelican dives with two late feeding gulls. Welcome this eternal departure, this union of space, of our wreckage and our carnage and our harmony embraced. In the harbor, great ships waited with riches and pain, carriages and oils and cattle and grains, forest and water and women and men, ransacked and bludgeoned and stacked neatly below, bellow their arrival on this far coast. Hearts hang in markets, chemically restrained, wineskin thin and torn and tearing, overflowed, filled and filling, every divot, every lowland, every cup. As the scraping of the last light as it empties from the day, expanding without ceasing in the wake of passing matter, is a wound that is a blessing when what we cling to is betrayed. Walk down to the dawn and greet the new day, hatched from the full moon's egg. A warm and pewter feathered morning, sky shot blue and creamy gold. Small waves break and justly claim that nothing truly drowns. Scores of scoters fish and lounge on the cushioned swell. A day so soft it doesn't jar the anxious buoy bell. The sun, now on, now off, steps one cloud to the next. Each thing is so sweetly loaded it seems a trick of light. Not an era, but all eras pirouette in the sand. And this shall end, as each shall end. Long calms broken by these shorts, staggered out in dots and dashes, the earth a beacon, announcing her attractions, her outlandish real presence. Every pulse is further proof, every proof's another pulse. A ring-billed gull lands at my side, expecting absolutely nothing. As these cracked and cracking desert rocks expect to crumble into salt, empty hills, sorrowful and swooning, this lament a crystal skin on this salted lake, this salted plain. The screech of the ocean as it dives toward its prey, O oh, fresh risen sea that stands on our shores as it mounts to the sky. At the bottom of the sky, and the top of the sea, where whatever is needed is bound to arrive, an auspicious moment pitched for the ride on the back of a loon, on the crest of a wave, with damp and drying feather down, a broken egg, her last kind home, the world made of ancestral bones, precocial leaps into the sky, and once around the valley wide, then over the mountains and toward the sea, forever to leave. listening to New Wild Review, Volume 1, Episode 6. Uh, if you would like to support Bird Ally X, um, please visit our website, 
birdallyx.net, B-I-R-D-A-L-L-Y-X.net. And from there, you can definitely uh, make a contribution to uh, help keep our rehab program and this program and all of the work that we do um, on behalf of our wild neighbors. Uh, keep it going. And thank you a lot, and thank you for your love of the wild. See you next time.